You know, there's an old adage that sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. Sometimes an ugly win is still a win. Welcome to another episode of Lombardi Time Brews. I am your host, John Delray. Thank you so much for joining us today. You know, today I'm going to try a new segment as I'm still finding my way through this video thing. Today we're going to be doing shoutouts and get outs. This will be the new Monday segment, always following a game. What are the big things that deserve shoutouts and what are the things that could just get out? The parts of the playbook that we can just burn because we don't need to see it again. Today, I've got four shout-outs, four get-outs that all cover the Packers versus Patriots win from yesterday. What I referred to as the win was a self-inflicted win. I mean, they got there. They got the job done. But let's not pretend as though this was the prettiest or most explosive win that we've ever witnessed from the Green Bay Packers. So, before I dive in, please like, share, subscribe on this video, follow me on Twitter, at John Delray, or, and, go to Facebook and like the Lombardi Time Brews Facebook page for more content, more discussion. As always, though, thanks for joining us here today. The first shout-out, very deservedly, just goes to the Green Bay Packers on pulling out a win. I've seen a ton of discourse in the time since the game ended, you know, one person was directly calling out others, saying that if you're okay with this win, then you should be a fan of the Lions. This is gross. A win is a win, my friend. A win is a win. It was not the prettiest win. There were flaws. There are concerns. But at the end of the day, after four weeks, the Green Bay Packers are 3-1. and one. There is no asterisk that goes next to them in the standings. There's no little caveat, no disclaimer. They are three and one. And we take that because it's a win. There are, of course, things that we want to fix, but do not take for granted winning in the National Football League. Winning is hard. It's not the easiest thing to do. They went up against Bill Belichick, who, yeah, he does not have the most talented roster he ever had. You could argue he's not as good of a coach as he once was, Nonetheless, this had a lot of perils of being a trap game, which I covered last week. Lots of concerns for this team. I mean, the week before London, which is enough of a travel concern, right? Going against Belichick, going against a backup quarterback who eventually became a third-string quarterback. A game that would have been very easy to take for granted. And you can argue from what we saw that in some ways they did. And they still pulled out the win. That's what a winning football team does. The defense did just enough. The offense did just enough and was on the cusp of doing more. What more do you want? Of course, it would have been great to see a 50-point blowout. And I'm going to cover some of the concerns and the problems. But a win is a win. Do not apologize for 
winning. A couple years ago when the Packers finished 13-3, I think it was Lafleur's first year, PFF said that they were the worst 13-3 team of all time. There is no good 13-3, bad 13-3. There's just 13-3. and And the Packers are 3-1. and Now the first get out. Oh boy. Some of this defensive game plan. I just don't understand it. You know, Sam Holman on Twitter talked about how if you disregard the third and longs, the Packers actually stayed in base 3-4. They did not deviate to nickel all that much. They stayed in base 3-4 60% of the snaps, which is a ton for Green Bay considering that nickel is basically their base defense. But for them to go to 3-4, three, three defensive linemen, four linebackers, and then only two corners with the two safeties, that's a fairly large departure from what they normally do. And you would think that that would have helped them stop the run. It didn't. Like at all. The biggest flaw in this game for the Green Bay Packers was their run defense. And that's especially more concerning because it does appear as though they prepared for it. And you knew that that's what New England was going to do. They've got a backup quarterback who eventually became a third string quarterback. Stop the run. They've got one of the best running back duos in the league with Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris. And we still didn't work enough to stop the run. Now, Matt LaFleur at his press conference today when asked about the run defense just said, yeah, we need to be more physical. Yeah, you do. You do. And this whole garbage of it being second and five or even first and ten and your corners are playing way off. Stop it. I just, I don't understand. This isn't back in the days, the latter years of Dom Capers when the defense didn't have enough talent to dictate how a game goes. But that's not this anymore. This defense can do it. You have enough talent, even with Jair sitting out yesterday. You have enough talent to be the side of the ball that punches the other team in the mouth. And for once, gets them thrown off kilter. Remember Jordan Love's first stat last start last year against Kansas City? When Kansas City basically just threw the house at him? It was his first career start, and he looked lost. And Lafleur didn't adapt. Green Bay lost that game. Here, even against a third-string quarterback with minimal receiver weapons. I mean, we're looking at, like, Nelson Aguilar. Jacoby Myers wasn't even playing. The defense just was too passive for my liking. Stop with this 10 yards off stuff. I understand it philosophically. I know you don't want to get burned over the top with too high safety. But they played too high safety in that game way too long before Joe Barry adapted and went to one high safety. They should not have been in two high safety looks against a third-string quarterback on a team with limited weapons. Kind of like a lot of teams are playing the Packers right now. Get up to the line, close them in. Like we saw more often against Tampa Bay. Tom Brady's more of a threat to beat you over the top with limited weapons than Bailey Zappi. And yet Green Bay stayed conservative. 
I wanted this to be a game where the defense threw the kitchen sink at them. Threw everything at them to take this win and command the win. And they didn't do it. They still got the win, which is the most important thing. But this could have been a statement game for this defense. And it just wasn't. Pair that with the very concerning run defense that even when we were trying to defend the run, Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris still ran through it pretty gosh darn well. Still had a couple blown coverages where Bailey Zappi was able to loft it. My God, it didn't look like he had a lot of arm strength. Those were air balls that he was chucking. And it still worked. It's concerning. All of the energy and intensity and tackling himself in the coach's room that we've heard about with Joe Barry, it's not translating the last couple games to the game plan. I want to see the game plan have energy and intensity and passion and fire and go after a third-string quarterback and make them pay for daring to walk into Lambeau in the first place. I would be remiss if I didn't mention that the Patriots' O-line did play a very good game. I mean, how many times did you hear Kenny Clark yesterday? It wasn't often. The Patriots' O-line did its job. No doubt about it. Preston Smith got bullied a few times. Rashawn Gary, if he wasn't sacking the quarterbacks, was having difficulty getting around. It was universal. That O-line played great, which we knew it would. We talked about how this is a battle of O-lines. And yet still, to counter that, Green Bay did not get more exotic, did not send more. And so you had New England be able to run a vanilla offense against a vanilla defense and still be successful. And Green Bay's defense needs to be better than that moving forward. No doubt about it. However, shout out number two. There are a couple players, both on defense, who do deserve kudos. One is Rashawn Gary, who is looking the part to a defensive player of the year. No doubt about it. I mean, he is off to one of the hottest starts of edge rushers in Green Bay history. John Meerdink wrote a great article for Acme Packing Company detailing the best starts in team history for edge. And then there is KGB, Clay Matthews, and now Rashawn Gary. Rashawn Gary's off to a great start. And he now, according to a lot of Vegas bookie sites that I saw this morning, Gary is now number two behind Micah Parsons in best odds for defensive player of the year. He's doing the work. No doubt about it. I also want to give a shout-out to Rudy Ford. You know, to stepping in. We didn't know who is safety three on this team. Ford had played in the slot before. He had played safety before for Jacksonville. But, you know, Jacksonville got rid of him because they viewed him just as a special teams guy. And we wondered when Green Bay claimed him, is he going to be just a special teams guy? Or is Green Bay going to employ him as number three safety? Because Tariq Carpenter certainly isn't ready. Dallin Levitt truly is more of a special teams guy. And you decide to put Micah Abernathy, who in the preseason showed probably the most pure promise as a pure safety, on the practice squad. So Amos goes down with a concussion. Who's going to be safety three? Well, Rudy Ford stepped in. I really liked his speed. It popped off the screen out of that safety spot. He did misread a few plays. Of that, there is no doubting. And that did not help the run defense. But he was willing to stick his head in when he needed to in the run game. 
He played with energy, constantly moving behind the line of scrimmage. So, shout out to him stepping in, playing well when called upon, and then Rashawn. Really, really good stuff. Next, my next get out, I I think it's time. I've been talking about it a little bit last week. At what point do you say, all right, Elton, whether it's your recovery or not, the best thing for the Green Bay Packers right now is that you play guard and not right tackle. We saw him consistently burned a few times by Matthew Judon yesterday. If Yash can play right tackle, he deserves to be part of the best five. Yash, now for basically a year and a few games, showed that he should be in the best five of this lineup. So if Yash can successfully switch to right tackle, you move Elton into guard, where you know he's an all-world guard. And I'm not saying that Elton can never play tackle. This isn't black and white. But I'm saying at this stage in his recovery from his ACL surgery, what he is right now, he does not have the quickness to defend the edge like the Packers need against good edge rushers. We now have seen this since he's returned. So what do you do? Put Wash at right tackle and move Elton back into guard. Now, if you want to move him next to all the way over to left guard, which was his which was his career starting out, it was his rookie position, it was his most natural position, and you want to bring back the wall of Bakhtiari and Jenkins, by all means go ahead. In doing that, you're gonna take John Runyon Jr. and slide him over to right guard. Rice Newman goes to the bench. Or Right now, you decide the left line is exactly what it should be, Bakhtiari and John Runyon Jr. And you slide Jenkins into right guard, still sending Newman to the bench, but then you've got, you know, you kind of got all one all-world player on each side, Dave Bakhtiari. Elton Jenkins at right guard, next to Yash, who would be adapting to right tackle. When asked about it in his press conference today, Lafleur said that they are evaluating, that it's something they've talked about, something that they'll explore, Yasha right tackle. So I think it's coming. I do. I think it's coming. Next, shout out. No major injuries again. I mean, this team, it's certainly banged up. Certainly has been losing guys here or there. But no major injuries. Adrian Amos suffered concussion. That's really the big one. I would not be shocked at all. If Adrian Amos is out for the game against the Giants, you know the NFL on the whole right now is being much more cautious with head injuries as they should be given what we saw with Tua. But I won't be shocked at all if they hold Adrian Amos out of the London game against the Giants next week. And then elevate Micah Abernathy. Now, one of the major downfalls of yesterday was that when Rudy Ford came in to play more safety, he wound up playing less special team snaps which we saw did have an effect on some of the team's coverages. So, if Amos is out and you elevate Abernathy, do Abernathy and Ford kind of trade off at safety so that Ford can get more special team snaps in? Like I mentioned earlier, Abernathy showed you that he was one of the best pure safeties on the team in the preseason. So do you trust him more as safety three? Or do you want to keep Ford there and just have Abernathy around as a backup? It's, it's a question that will loom large this week as they're preparing for the Giants. And as we find out how Adrian Amos is doing as he's going through the protocols. But I will not be shocked at all if he sits out the London game. 
But still, continuing with the shout-out, continuing with the good news, Jair is probably ready to come back. It was reported by Ryan Wood yesterday that he realistically could have played in the game yesterday, but they wanted to be cautious with their superstar corner. I don't blame him one bit. Certainly a good sign for him to come back next week. Christian Watson, Mercedes Lewis, they both came back fine. Kylan Hill now will be eligible to start practicing now that we're through the first four weeks, which means his return, not this week, but could be coming soon. David Bakhtiari played all but three snaps yesterday due to Yash's illness. The original plan was that Bakhtiari was going to do two series and then Yash is going to come in by one. The floor confirmed that in the press conference today. And they didn't do it because Yash was sick and Bakhtiari just kept playing. Bakhtiari told Lafleur at halftime, I'm good, let me finish it out. That's a great, great sign. And Bakhtiari, while still not being completely back to his own form, played very well yesterday. We know that the strength of that Patriot defense is in the edge with Wise and, and uh, oh my goodness, I'm completely failing, with Wise and Chudon. So, Bakhtiari held up incredibly well, certainly offers good things for the future, especially as they're considering Yasha right tackle. So, overall, team is getting healthier. All these little banging, like these bang-ups, kind of coming to an end. The team's getting healthier. The last get-out, before I do some really quick-hit ones, Rodgers in his first half. Wow, that was garbage. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, it was just, it was bad. I mean, even going back and doing a rewatch, it's just, what was some of that? He locked on to his favorite guys. In which case, why? What's the point? Yes, Belichick called a good game. He's a defensive genius. This has been well established. But locking on to Lazard for that back shoulder throw and throwing the pick six was just inexcusable. It just, it didn't make any sense what he was trying to do. And a number of the throws were just off, just straight off. Now, I'm not going to throw away the whole game, obviously, because he went in at halftime and just said, all right, I'm not losing. I'm not losing to the Patriots in Lambeau. This is garbage. And then he came out and was a different dude. Like, like Rodgers just decided, all right, I'm going to be good now. Enough toying around. Fine. Came out the second half and lit it up. So get rid of that first half. Burn the playbook. Burn the arm that did it. Whatever. Who cares? Get rid of it. Don't let it happen again. But that second half, that was four-time MVP Aaron Rodgers. Now, just a couple closing thoughts here. One good, one bad. Here's the bad one. And I've kind of been struggling with this since the preseason. But the Green Bay Packers, as a franchise, as a team, value character, which very thankfully they do. They carry the G, the Packer way, all these things that have been built off of the Packers' culture. But if you look across the leadership of this team, who really are the ones in the locker room that when they speak, everyone listens? Well, of course, it's Aaron Rodgers. Ty Randall Cobb, Aaron Jones to an extent, Mercedes Lewis, certainly we see that. Even in past years, Devontae Adams, maybe Adrian Amos on the defensive side of the ball, Kenny Clark. But what do all of those names have in common? 
Like when I read off that list to you, what do all of them have in common? They're all pretty quiet. Like out of that whole list of names, who is it? Yeah, Rogers on the field sometimes will yell at a wide receiver. He certainly will yell at Josh Myers, as was well caught yesterday. But he's not a rah-rah type. I mean, when was the last time we saw Rodgers even try to do anything with the crowd? It's been some time. But who's who's the fiery leader? Who's the guy that when the team is lackluster, gathers them all around and fires them up? You know, harking it back, if you're a Brewers fan, back in the day of the Brewers, I mean, they had Ryan Braun, who was like the perfect CEO, right? But then they also had Prince Fielder, who was willing to shove around his own teammates. He was the fire, the passion. The big fat dude had that had no business running as fast as he did. Right? Sliding into second, playing hard. And then you've got Ryan Braun, who didn't need to do all those things, who just exuded the CEO energy, always said the right thing, always did the right thing, and of course that, you know, that turned out. But I'm talking back in the day. Said the right thing, did the right thing, played the right way, put up great stats. But Prince Fielder was the one who did the playing and the stats and all that stuff, but he did so with passion and violence and energy and aggression. Who do the Green Bay hackers have that is that guy? Because all the names that I listed off are all CEO types. Maybe not say the right thing, do the right thing all the time. But I mean, like, they are guys who exude maturity, professionalism. I'm not going to yell. Why yell when I can speak quietly and be heard just as much? That's every single one of them. You know... They talked this week, I believe it was Mercedes Lewis who talked about like, well, I mean, you don't need like amp up music. You don't need rah-rah stuff. If you're playing in the NFL and you need that stuff, then you may not belong here. But look at the first quarter of every game for the Packers this year. They stink. So, yeah, as much as you want to be respected as a professional who's just going about your business and doesn't need those rah-rah type things... Maybe you do. Maybe there's got to be some guy on the coaching staff, in the locker room, whatever, who gets them ramped up to go. Because right now, I'm just not seeing it. Now, Rashawn Gary has shown flashes. I believe it was the second week of training camp where Rashawn Gary went running up to the twos on defense and laid into them. Or the one time I remember I was at the training camp practice where Rashawn Gary came flying in. Damn near starting a fight. And Rodgers had to pull Rashawn Gary off. I want to see that in the regular season. Now, not being stupid. Not getting penalties. Obviously, I'm not advocating for him to start fights. But I am advocating for this team to show some fire. To show that they are proud of what they do. That they are going to take it to the Patriots. And not allow the Patriots to dictate how the first quarter goes. Oh, they're going to do this? Let's adjust to this. Or even flip the sides of the balls. Well, the Patriots are going to play this way? Fine, we'll play this way on offense. 
No. You be the ones that show what that inferior team is supposed to do. You be the ones that make them adjust, the ones that have to backpedal to catch up to you. And if you're not getting that in the locker room before the game, find it. Find someone to give that energy that says, in our house, in Lambeau, no team dictates how we play. We play our brand of football, and it is faster, harder, tougher, and better than what you think you can do. One last closing thought. And it kind of goes against a lot of what I've been saying. Because this one's just downright cheery. But boy, I think this offense is close. I really do. I do. I just... I have this feeling that London... You know, the Green Bay Packers are really going to enjoy London. Rodgers has wanted this for years. Some of that veteran leadership that I was just talking about. And again, that's not a knock on them. It's who they are. It's just to be a successful team, you need both. But all those guys... I've talked about wanting to go to London. They want the experience. They want to see the history. They want to play at the stadium. I just see this being a game that they're going to go off. That all of the little things on offense, the things that they're so close to pulling off, you know, the errant throws that miss by a yard, the dropped passes, the big plays that are so close. I just, I see it. In the London sun, this beautiful fall day, there's probably going to be like a crisp breeze in London. That the Green Bay Packers could just walk in and say, we ready now. And just click. I just, I have this feeling that Green Bay is going to get ramped up for this one. And the offense is going to help to find its identity against another inferior opponent in London. Calling it now. I think the Green Bay Packers not only win, but I think they win big, and I think the offense finds itself this week. So, thank you for joining me on another episode of Lombardi Time Brews. I will be back Wednesday, as always. Wednesday, I'm going to have an injury update for you. I'll also start, start to look ahead at the Giants, see what the Giants' injuries are start to look ahead at that matchup but i will be back on wednesday and then friday of this week i'll have the full-on preview show packers versus giants what are the key things to look out for what is the game prediction so as always thank you for joining me on lombardi time bruce follow me on twitter and facebook like share subscribe this video or audio podcast if that's your deal and spread it around let's build a bigger packer community together thanks so much for joining me as always i hope you have a great day and go pack go